Sam Curry's chief security officer for Cyber Reason and president of Cyber Reason Government, Inc., and Cyber Reason sponsoring today's Daily Scoop podcast. Sam, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. You wrote recently that the idea of security to a lot of people is like peanut butter. What's the analogy there, Sam? Welcome. Well, yeah, uh, my my pleasure. And thanks for having me on. Um, I think I meant one of two things when I said it. The first is that that, uh, we tend to think of security as just one big amorphous blob um, the other one is we, we typically in defense have to peanut butter our, our resources across a huge domain. And the bad guys don't have to you know, do the same. They can bring all their force to bear at one point. So if you're spreading out your defenses and you don't know the time and place of the attack, that immediately puts you on a defensive footing. And, and I'm sure it was one of those two. The other one is that, that we tend to look at the patchwork quilt of things to do in defense uh, as uh, all being equal, and, and frankly, they're not. You also wrote uh, about the first-order risks versus mm. second-order chaos. What's the difference between those, both in the order and the the risks versus chaos connection? Oh, I, 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 lo- I love this idea, and credit to where it's due, by the way. I didn't come up with this. Um, it was from... Uh, uh, Noah Harari, uh, who wrote Sapiens, which is a, a wonderful book. Uh, in it, he talked about um, two kinds of chaotic system. They're all they're both complex. They're both adaptive. First order chaos is uh, is like nat- nature. It's a natural system. So an example would be a hurricane in the meteorological system. That's a threat. Another one would be perhaps COVID nineteen in the biology system. That's a threat. But they're not intelligently adaptive. Um, so second order chaos is intelligent adaptation. And, and, and there is a continuum of that. It might mean perhaps machine assisted, but usually it means, at least for now, that there's a human being in the loop. Uh, humans, uh, what was that old saying? All monsters are human. Uh, the ones we truly are scared of are the human beings because they're adaptive and they're thoughtful in their adaptation. If, if COVID-19 was a second order risk, it would say to itself something like, you know, I'm going through an airport, lower my host's body temperature. And it doesn't, it doesn't do that, at least not to the best of my knowledge. The, uh, the possibility there has what implications for cybersecurity, though? What does that mean that a human should mm. think about as one is thinking about defending a network, for example? Because you've got both of those challenges, potentially, that you're up against. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, back to the peanut butter, mm-hmm. right? So, not everything in cyber is focused on the enemy. Uh, a lot of what we do is things like patching. Very important to reduce the giant kick me sign. It's it's things like um, uh, you know strong authentication. Very important, right? It, it's it's following processes. But there's also things like compliance and reporting and 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 doing risk assessments and the like. All of which is important. But for the most part, it kind of deals with security as a theoretical. How big is my risk? How big is my vulnerability? How do I manage them? As if I was a CIO, by analogy, by, by comparison, a CIO, most of the nature that, that he or she faces is nature. It's failed parts. It's, it's, it doesn't connect. It's human error as opposed to human malice. And in that world, you know, it, what you do in that world kind of makes sense to deal with this IT security hygiene stuff. It's very important, but there's another category of active opponent. And that's where I prefer actually the label cyber, but, but you know, I, I think cybersecurity now refers to everything pretty much. But let's think of, let's narrow in and say, if, if there's a human being in offense adapting to me, it behooves us in defense 
to do the exact same thing and apply human beings as effectively and efficiently as possible in this other. So you can manage a lot of the very important functions that are really automatable and process-driven and, and don't necessarily focus on the opponent. You can do that, but don't. But your primary mission is to free up resources and capabilities to get super efficient at finding and shutting down bad guys. And so that's why I make a distinction in that way. You, uh, First told, order, me, second order. you told me a little bit before we went on the air about um, a item that you read recently about mm-hmm. ransomware. And it speaks, I think, directly to that idea of human error versus human malice. And you said that this, this piece that you read said that ransomware incidents increase over holidays and weekends. That's an example, isn't it, about the good guys having to not just think about the way the bad guys think, but have to think about way the way that they're good people that make mistakes think, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, if you think about it, um, they know that you're under pressure at holiday times. You've got uh, husbands and wives saying, why aren't you with the family? Um, You might, in fact, in that survey that we did, we found... Uh, you know, we surveyed over 1,200 people who had dealt with ransomware. Specifically, 90% of them uh, had dealt with ransomware on a holiday or weekend. Uh, and so it was like, you know, there were the threats on Memorial Day, threats on 4th of July. There were threats on Labor Day weekend. And of those, by the way, 70% were at least partially or totally intoxicated. I won't say totally, but they had at least had a drink or two uh, and so you've got a skeleton crew who's watching the monitors. They're not necessarily what you would be at, say, you know, 10 a.m. on a Monday. And um, at the same time, when they call for help, those people have had a beer or two, or they've had some champagne, or they've had a large meal and have been up all night uh, in the case of New Year's Eve. So that's the boom time. The bad guys are going to go, I understand your rhythms. You may not understand mine. You may not even understand your own. You think, okay, things are quiet. I'm going to go home. But this is the time when companies are also and, and government organizations are most likely to pay, mm-hmm. right? It, it's it's the Thanksgiving crush, especially in the private sector side. Uh, retail organizations, it's called Black Friday because that's when they go profitable. They go from the red to the black. Mm-hmm. The pressure to make sure that IT is available then and for Cyber Monday is massive. What is the biggest challenge that a governmental organization has to thinking differently? Is it that idea of we do things the way we always do them? Or is there some other issue? Because this, what you're talking about, you haven't said anything to me yet, at least, that sounds like it's a technology problem. The, this organization doesn't have this thing or that service or whatever. It sounds like this is a way of thinking, a worldview that organizations are lacking in. Yeah, I actually, um, you know, I, yeah, my company sells technology and I believe technology is really important, but I think the biggest problem in cybersecurity is a people problem. It's people on offense on the other side coming after us and it's people on defense. If I had to characterize on defense, you know, the single biggest thing that would help most security departments, it is better alignment with the mission. Right. If you if you think about it, if you go back twenty years, um, uh, the New York Times had a had a had a, a piece on is the CIO really a C level person, and um, and I think back, it's it's quite telling that in those days people thought, well, you know, our, our, our organizations or our companies or whatever, what we do isn't that thing, the IT thing. They're not truly one of us in the business or in the mission. And that's gone away. I think most people would say that CIOs are integral to government services, to 
um, to interacting with other organizations. Um, however, that is now the CISO's burden, the Chief Information Security Officer. There's, they are seen 20 years later like hobbyists. These are the people that, that they get in the way. They're the office of no. Uh, they report lower in the organization. And, and, and the painful truth is even though most, most security departments came out of IT, we aren't primarily an IT function. We're a risk function. And I don't think most organizations, when you're doing the what's our financial risk and what's the budget look like, or you're saying, well, you know, what is the physical risk to an organization or to logistics? They're not saying, hey, bring the CISO in here and let's have a conversation. And the single biggest thing that would help that is to bridge that gap. And I usually advise CISOs on how to do that. I think it would also be great if people on the other side of the divide reached back. Because cyber literacy, is, it's not as painful or scary as it may seem to some. And I think once we've got our org structures, we think, well, it's not really at the top table in this organization. And I think it's time to, to, to bridge that gap. What do you think would drive that? What do you think would encourage that kind of behavior in an organization like a government agency, Sam? Yeah, well, um, I think it's happening. I mean, we saw the FBI went from a top 10 list way back um, that had cyber at the bottom. Now cyber's at the top, uh, you know, in terms of what, what the threats that they deal with are. Uh, we've seen DHS and CISA grow enormously. We've seen a mandate from the White House with the executive order back in May saying, you know what, you got to take patching seriously and you've got to do things like SBOM, secure bill of materials. You've also got to do things, or software bill of materials. You've also got to do things like EDR, you know, in point detection response, because this is the stuff that you've got to elevate and I think that pressure is going to continue. But uh, nobody wants to be scared into doing something. Nobody wants to be mandated into doing something. And, but I'm going to say this, that it will get scary with things like software supply chain attacks and ransomware until you do elevate it and start to empower that group. Because th they need the ability to, to invest in technologies that can stop that stuff. And that's a human logistical problem. Um, and, and frankly, the pressure will continue as long as it's not being addressed. We're going to see laws regulations, more executive orders. We'll see directives. Uh, you know, I think we're entering an age where the number one concern for some agencies and departments is, can I continue to fulfill my mission if I get nailed with ransomware? Or if I'm, if I'm faced with a potential, you know, fatal, not fatal, but should we say crisis level breach? Mm -hmm. this, is, this is materially impactful to being able to do the job. Sam, one of the challenges that the CIOs and CISOs and CTOs and so on that I talk to every day in government tell me they have is they are focused on what they have in front of them now and what their whatever their strategic plan term is, mm. that's where they are now. What should those folks be watching over the horizon that could be coming at them either for the good or the bad? Yeah, well, I think, I think actually this is a leadership thing. Uh, I, I, I don't expect even CTOs or CIOs to be cyber experts, even CISOs, believe it or not. The temptation, by the way, is a, as a chief information security officer, you come up through the ranks, you're hyper-competent at your discipline, but eh, I got news for you. The new job doesn't need you to do that first. You need lieutenants you can trust. A really good advisor to me when I first became a chief security officer said, and, and actually similar advice when I was a CTO, said, uh, you know, you can be the voice of security. You can be an agent for change. Um, you, you know, you can be operationally excellent at projects, pick one, get lieutenants for the rest, and ideally get lieutenants for all of it, 
because your job is now logistical. It's social. It's it's making sure the right bets are placed in an organization. Um, and, and I think that's that's the the top order of the day, right? It's 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 leadership. Uh, set the strategy, set the tone, make sure people understand the commander's intent, make sure you give them a normative framework to make decisions, and then iterate. Now, the thing coming over the horizon to be scared of is the bad guys are getting better at a faster rate than most defensive organizations. They've got, they run like companies. They've got agile development. They've got VC behind them in a dark, twisted way. And that's not meant to scare. What it says is they're putting resources into figuring out how to get around you. You need to give air cover to the people, the men and women who are going to figure out how to stop it and get the next generation of technology rolling. That's the job. It's not to be the brightest security person in the room. It's the logistical function. So focus on that. And that could apply to anyone at the C level. Approach the CISO. Don't get sucked into a conversation about you know, nuts and bolts and viruses and, and, and virus counts. Instead, have a conversation about risk. And ask how you can bring support to bear and how you're going to do, what are you going to decide to spend on and what are you not going to do as a CISO? It's that dialogue that's going to encourage them and give them the power to actually create organizations that, that win here. Sam Curry of Cyber Reason, great to have you on the program. Thanks for doing it. Thanks for having me.